We read the Holy Scriptures tonight in Hebrews chapter 12. We'll start our reading in Hebrews 11 at verse 32. Opening your Bibles together to the Word of God in Hebrews 11 at verse 32 and reading shortly into chapter 12. Hebrews eleven thirty two, and this is the word of God. And what shall I more say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Wherefore, Seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. It's to that point that we read the word of God, and may he illumine it and write it tonight on our hearts. We're going to consider verse 1 and the first part of verse 2, and the occasion of confession of faith tonight. We read, we'll read it again. 
Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The date was July 4, 1952. The place was the Catalina Islands, which are 20 miles off the coast of Southern California. The person was Florence Shadwick. She was on that day attempting to be the very first woman to swim across the Catalina Channel. Previously, she had been the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways. On that particular day, when she set out, a fog had drifted in, it was unusually cold, and the seas were rolling almost onto a swell. Her boats followed her as she swam for 15 hours under a deep fog. And then she did something that she had never done before. She quit. She could not see. They were sighting fins of sharks, and so they came alongside and pulled her out of the water and wrapped her in towels. And it was not a minute more after that that the wind blew and opened up the vision. And half mile off, she could see within her reach the California coastline. And she said, if only I could have seen You are called tonight to run your race of faith with endurance. The word patience in our text is endurance. The race that God has set before you is the race of your Christian faith, of being faithful to the confession that you have made tonight. The race that is before you is the holy Christian life that you are called, that you confessed tonight before the world. The race before you is living in the truth that you confess and confessing it before the world. The race before you is living as a member of the body of Jesus Christ in this church. You must run this race to the end. You must run with endurance. You must run this race with the burdens that God will place upon you in your life, with the temptations that will come against you with all the forces against you the word of God says to you tonight concerning the faith that you confess now run run with endurance the race that is set before you don't quit don't go back don't stop run 
in reliance upon God, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Be faithful to what you have confessed. Continue with endurance. The Apostle Paul is writing here to the first century Hebrew Christians who were facing severe opposition to their faith, for they were Hebrews. They had converted from Judaism to the Christian faith. And they were experiencing great opposition to the faith that they confessed, which is the same faith that these five young adults have confessed tonight. There were many of them who were in danger of putting their arm up and quitting. There were many of them who were shortening their stride in the race. Some of them had stopped altogether, and still others had gone off the track and went back to their former Judaism or back into the world. They were facing great discouragements. They were hated of all men, and everything in their flesh kept saying to them, stop, quit, this can't be done. And the Apostle Paul The inspired Apostle Paul is here to encourage them from the Holy Spirit. Don't stop. Endure. It is always too soon to quit. It is always too soon to give up the faith. Listen to the cloud of witnesses who are around you, the heroes of faith. Look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Run on. The most important word, perhaps, in the Christian life is the word endurance. As I said, that's the word of the King James, patience. Let us run with patience. Let us run with endurance. This is the word that jumps from the page. This is the word that must be underlined in the text with red. It's easy for a time to live outwardly a Christian life for a short sprint but the reality of God's grace is to be seen over the long haul over one's entire life this is the most important word in the book of Hebrews this is the word that must be chiseled into our hearts endurance we are to be like Christ who in verse 2 endured the cross, endurance, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the Father. At the heart of the true Christian life in this world tonight is endurance. Press on by faith, through grace. Press on in your particular situation tonight, your trials, your burdens, your hardships, no matter what it is, press on. Run the race with endurance. We look at that for a few moments tonight. Let's see the needed exhortation, the fatal entanglements, and the inspiring encouragement. As I said, The Apostle Paul is really acting as a coach. The Apostle Paul was well acquainted with all of the Greek games, especially the running games. And he's acting in this epistle almost as a coach, for he says, 
two times, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with endurance. That, those words, let us, 16 times in Hebrews, he uses the word, let us do this. He's acting as a coach. He's running alongside. He's saying to us in our faith, keep going, keep going, look to Christ, don't look to yourself, keep going. Let us, that's all of us, that's the children, boys and girls, that's the intermediate age, that's husbands and wives, that's the most, that's the eight most aged person here tonight. Don't stop, let us endure. What is this race? Literally, the word the Spirit uses is the agony. His reference is to the marathon. His reference is to what is called by runners the gut check. He's not referring to a dash, a sprint, the 440, the 5K, but he's referring to the marathon in which you must keep on going. It's a long run, and you must go across the finish line, or you have not run this race. This race is our Christian calling, as I referred to it a moment ago, of believing and confessing Jesus Christ as our Savior and only Savior, and confessing all the truth that is in Him, and joining ourselves with, with ab utter abandonment to His church and to His people, and loving His cause, and letting others know that we love His cause. This is the race. This race, you entered this race with spiritual regeneration. When the Spirit gave you the new birth, regeneration, when you were born again from above and the Spirit planted into you the life of Christ, that's when this race started. As an infant, as a child, it began for you. This race ends when you die. That life of Christ in you is irrepressible. It must go forward unto God. It's like a bubble of oxygen down in the dark of the sea, a thousand feet, it must go up. The life that is given to you in Jesus Christ must go on, must go on confessing him the whole life as my Lord and my Savior, his truth, his cause, and his church. That's this race. It's a life of obedience to Jesus Christ. It's a life of trust in Jesus Christ. Tonight we are gathered in what is called the church militant. Not church triumphant. We're not pictured as being on a beach under an umbrella, relaxing. Militant. Warfare. We must defend the truth. We must live a godly life. We must resist our sin. This is the race that is set before each one of us. It is set. It is unchangeable. It is set by God. 
God has determined the pathway of your life tonight. The trials that you must undergo as it refines your faith. And you must testify of Him in the midst of those trials. God has defined that. God has marked out this, this race. We don't mark it out. He marked it out in the Holy Scriptures. It is the life of faith that we are called to live in this present world. And this race is set before you. It's right in front of you. You don't have to go look for this race. You don't have to go on a mission field. Oh, that's a wonderful thing. But you don't need to go someplace to run this race. It's right in front of you. It's the next move. It's the next thought. Run the race. Be faithful to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Run with endurance. The word endurance here in the Greek, we get our word hypodermic. A hypodermic needle is something that injects something under the skin. And the word means to bear up under. Endurance is when you're bearing up under pressure, temptations, weariness, trials, distress. It's when the runner, the marathon runner, wants to slow up, wants to sit down, wants to quit. It is, as I said, the golden virtue of the true faith to endure to the end. There are other virtues that are very important for us. We must have wisdom. We must have love. We must have humility. Many virtues so important for us to grow in. But the key virtue is endurance. Stay with it. Keep at it. We're not in heaven. Don't pull up. Don't look for an alternate road. Don't look at the other runners, how they're doing. Run. Let us run on. If only the Holy Spirit gives us personally tonight to hear these words speaking to you in your situation tonight, as God knows that situation, and perhaps you are discouraged and you're ready to quit. Perhaps you're influenced by the world and you're questioning things. If only we might hear Christ say, run on, endure, look to me, keep going. The Hebrew Christians needed this. And if you turn in your Bible just a moment with me to Hebrews chapter 10 at verse 33. And we see there the need for the encouragement. The Apostle Paul paints the picture. He says in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 32, he's talking to the converted Hebrews 
He says, but call to remembrance the former days in the which after ye were illuminated, those days when they were first converted. And so to speak, they exploded out of the blocks. They exploded on this race. He says, remember the beginning days of your faith and the afflictions that came to you, the testings that immediately came to you when you confessed Christ. And partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used, they had new friends now. And their companions were those who were despised by the world. Verse 34, for ye had compassion on me in my bonds. Paul, the prisoner, you had compassion on me. And ye took joyfully the spoiling of their goods. They lost their livelihood for Christ's sake, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. They were beginning to waver, which hath recompense of reward, for ye have need of patience, of endurance, same word, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. He's saying to us, there are days in our spiritual life where faith is bright, where it seems all is well, but there comes days, there will be days, in which we lose that confidence, endure in those days. For ye have need of patience, verse 36. Cast not away therefore your confidence, verse 36. For ye have need of patience, endurance, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise for yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. The apostle is saying to all who confess the name of Jesus Christ in this world, there will be the strong temptation to stop. The cost will become too much. The discouragements too deep. The struggles too hard. He says, don't stop. We need this encouragement. We need this encouragement because in all the arsenal of the devil against our faith, one of his greatest tools against us is discouragement. Weariness. Self-pity looking to ourselves and not to him. The devil tries to trip us in our race with lust, pornography, envy, bitterness, greed. He has many tools. But he wants to discourage you. He wants to make the way of Christ appear to you impossible and that Christ is departed from you. And that you cannot endure this for another moment. He wants, you, he wants to pry open your heart with discouragement. And when he has your heart open with discouragement, then he suggests to you, 
Well, alcohol, you can drink and you can find rest. Or drugs. Or here, I got a whole case full of things that will comfort you. Try these out. He wants you to be discouraged. He wants us to be discouraged. He wants the Protestant Reformed churches to be discouraged. He wants this congregation discouraged. He wants every young person here discouraged about the way of Jesus Christ. Do I really want to do this? Is this really relevant to me? He wants you discouraged. We must hear. We must hear the voice of Christ in our spiritual ear tonight. Let us run with endurance looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. If we are to run the Christian race, and if you are to run the Christian race, you must beware of the fatal entanglements. There's actually two things in the text. And again, the figure of a runner is prevailing in the text. And there are two things that a runner knows that are dangers if, to them if they're going to run the race. There are two things that are going to make running impossible. And it's not hard to figure out what those two things are. Those two things are weights, adding on weight, and taking things on you when you're running. And number two, entanglements. Something down around your feet that's going to trip you. And so Paul identifies those two dangers. He says, let us lay aside every weight that does so easily beset us. And then he says, and the sin that does so easily beset us or entangle us. You have to you and I have to put off weight and we can't allow ourselves to become entangled which make our running impossible. And so he's warning us, first of all, about encumbrances, about every weight. The athlete in the Greek game, as we all know, would strip down to the bare essentials. He tried to get rid of any extra weight, anything that would make his movements burdensome. He would lay them aside, every weight, says the Apostle, implying that there are many things that can become an encumbrance in our Christian life. What would we think if we came to a marathon, the 26-mile marathon, and someone comes to that marathon dressed in a suit with Sunday shoes and perhaps a briefcase? You'd say, well, the man's not serious to run this ways. What would you think in a hundred-yard dash? They're all lined up. And the announcer says, well, the girl in lane six, we notice as she goes down into the blocks and she's ready to jump out, we notice that she's strapped 10-pound weights around her ankle. What would you say? You'd say, well, she's not serious about this race at all. You've got to get rid of the weights. The encumbrances... And note with me that these are distinguished from sins. Set aside every weight and the sin that besets us. Encumbrances. 
are those things that slow you and me down in serving God. They're not necessarily sins. They're not necessarily in themselves bad things. The trouble is that they are things that become obsessive, that, be, that control our life. The apostle puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. They're not necessary for me. All things are lawful for me, he says, but I will not be brought under the power of any. In encumbrances, which something that we don't like to admit it, but it's brought us under their power and it interferes with giving ourselves for our Christian life and calling. What are your encumbrances? The question in the Christian life is not always between good and bad, but it's between good, Christ, serving Him, and worthless. These things just add to our life. And you all know where the application is going to be. It's going to be especially to our technology and to our cell phone. That, what is the encumbrance? It drains away energy. It drains away time for Jesus Christ, for the church, for my prayers, for growth and grace. I'm going to pray tonight. I'm going to start to pray. But I've got to check my phone. Just a moment. And before you know it, you went to bed at 11 and you were going to have that time with the Lord. But before you know it, perhaps as a young person, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. And we've been glued to this device. An encumbrance controls your life. What do you look for first thing in the morning? When you get up, what is on your mind? These are the things that are controlling us. They control us so much that we have to look. We need to know what people think about us. We need to know if we're popular. We need to know if others are paying attention to us. Is the cell phone sinful? No, it's not sinful. But it is an encumbrance. And we may not let it control us. We must control it. It must not, nor may anything, get in our way of the best thing. And the best thing is serving the Lord. The best thing is bringing the first fruits of our mind, our heart, our thoughts to God in prayer, in remembering each other, in good deeds, devoting our time, not wasting our time, but devoting our time for the church of Jesus Christ. When we look, the, the, cell, the young people showed me this, the cell phone will actually tell you how many hours you spend. It's unbelievable. I didn't know that. We can never say concerning one spiritual activity, we don't have time. We don't take the time. We don't control our time. Are we serious 
about the race. There's things that in your life you must be doing in the service of Jesus Christ. There's things in your family, in our spiritual walk as young people. There's things that need to be done now. What are the encumbrances? What held us back from prayer? What held us from reading the Bible? What held us from holding regularly those devotions with our children at the table? What kept us back from teaching our child? What kept us back from spending time as husband and wife to maintain our marriage? We're so busy. So many encumbrances. We're so busy. We don't have time to come to church two times. We can't volunteer. We can't give our time. We are so busy. Beloved, are we in the race? And do we want to cross the finish line? How, do we, how does a man, a woman, the answer is obvious, how does a man or a woman become a great runner? They become a great runner when they learn to say no. When they learn discipline. When their heart is in what they're doing. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, they, they do it, they do it for an earthly prize. They're out to get the best time, to get the medal. They're after an earthly prize. We're not after any earthly prize. We're after a heavenly one in Christ Jesus. What is it that needs to be laid aside in your life, in my life? Let's encourage each other. Let's talk about this together. Let's help each other in this. Let's hold a garage sale to get rid of the stuff, the things that are encumbering us. And let us run the race. But there must not only be the encumbrances, but the entanglements, the sin that does so easily entangle us. Worse than an encumbrance to a runner. Not just things that are going to slow you down and drain your, th your strength. You've got to get rid of those, those weights. But that's not the biggest thing. You have to be careful of the things that will trip you, break your ankle, cause you to fall on the ground, dislocate your hip, put your elbow out of joint. So that, yes, you can run, you can keep going, but now you hobble. And you will always hobble in this race. Young men, there's decisions that you make in your life now as a young man. There might be spur-of-the-moment things that you give in to. The devil wants to trip you up. Maybe he won't, God's grace, you won't be out of the race. But they will be with you. 
They will be with you when you're 40 and 60 and 80. It's called pornography. It doesn't go away. It breaks something. It breaks bones of integrity to God and to Jesus Christ. There are things that we can do, drunkenness, and alcohol, and other things, the sins of the flesh. They will trip us up. And if we continue the race, we will limp. God's grace is sufficient. We know that. But what you do as a young man is more important than you can understand. I did not understand this. But I tell you, and every man here will tell you, it's true. The sin that so easily besets us. The idea is that our sins jump at us. They attach themselves to us almost when we're not conscious of it. They beset us. They jump to us. It's like the pricker bush when you're mowing the lawn and you come in and you're covered with all these prickers. They're attached to you. Sin besets us. It attaches to us. Forgiveness, yes. Grace of God to continue, yes. The mercies of God, yes. But they attach themselves to us. Set aside not only the encumbrances, but the sin that does so easily beset us. We must run this race not in our strength. That will be fatal. I can handle this. I can do this. I can get through this. No worry, Dad. Don't worry. We must not run this strength, this race in our strength or in our wisdom. You can't run God's race in man's strength. You can't run this race unless we are looking daily to Jesus Christ as our strength. And so we need to examine our lives tonight. We need to examine ourselves about our encumbrances that we begin just to live with, accept, well, that's the way it is. We have to examine our life with the besetting sins. I said, it's always too soon to put your hand up and give up. It's always too soon to give in to temptation. I know how strong they are. But again, your older brothers and sisters will tell you that they've learned that when they gave up, it was as if the grace of God was right there. They thought they were, they just gave in to the temptation. What could we do? It's always too soon 
to give in to any temptation. Are there encumbrances in your life? Are there besetting sins in our lives? Causing us to trip? On top of that, as the devil jumped on our shoulder, God tries us and then he jumps on our shoulder and he says, give it up. Just give it up. You become cynical. You become bitter. You become angry. We pull up. We shorten the stride. Instead of stretching the stride, we hold back. We must hear the voice of the Holy Spirit tonight. Not man. The Holy Spirit in the Word. Run. Run on. Run with endurance. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. There's really two encouragements in the text, and they're both very precious, and I hope that they will be vivid in our memory. The verse begins by referring to the fact that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. And as a little boy, I kept trying to think, does that mean like running into a cloud? And the idea is not that. The Apostle Paul is actually referring to the stadium. And all these distance run, runs end in the stadium. And the stadium, says the Apostle, is packed. There's a cloud, there's a multitude of witnesses. There's a multitude of those who have gone before us. And they're there. And they're saying, keep going, keep going. They're saying to you, the word is true. It's absolutely true. The faith is true. The doctrines that have been given to you are true. Don't sell them. This cloud of witnesses in heaven are telling us, it's true, it's true. All that God has said, all that God has promised is true. Keep running. Don't stop. This cloud of witnesses are those who love not their life unto the death. They were common men and women, just like you, just like me, no different. And they will tell you, and they will witness to you in the scriptures. Read it. Listen to them. They will tell you that God is faithful, and God will strengthen the weak. And there's glory at the end. They will say, don't give up. You need to quicken the pace. You need to run harder. But the encouragement is looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And here the apostle is referring to the fact that a runner must always know where to put his mind eye 
and his mind eye must not be on the pain and himself, but his eye needs to be on the finish line. We must always look to Jesus. He's the author of our faith. The faith that was confessed tonight was not authored by human traditions, was not authored by parents, it was not authored by an institution called the Christian Church. Faith is not authored by any of those. Jesus Christ is the author of our faith. He wrote it, he implanted it, and he's the finisher of our faith. He's faithful, he preserves us, he will bring our faith to its finish. He will give us strength to run on to the end. Look unto Jesus. No matter the difficulty that will come into your life, no matter the struggles, no matter the discouragements, look unto Jesus, the author and the finish of your faith. And so now for the five who made confession of faith, and for all of us, hear the word of the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. May God bless you in your faith. Amen. We thank thee for the word. We know that thy word is delivered through sinful lips. It is thy word. By the Holy Spirit, give us such conviction. Give us conviction in our faith. Give us diligence. May we be diligent, passionate runners in the Christian faith. To thy glory and to thy honor alone. Amen.